Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be talking with the manager of the A's new high-A affiliate, Lansing Lugnuts, Scott Steinman. In the past few years, he's skippered clubs in both Beloit and Midland. And this season, he's helming the A's affiliate in the new high-A Central League. We recently checked in with him to get his take on some of the top players in Lansing. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Scott. Thanks for having me, Bill. So now, I think you've been managing, if I'm correct, maybe a dozen, about a dozen years in the minor leagues, and now you're the first skipper there in Lansing since the team has joined the A's organization. So what's it been like managing there in Lansing, managing the Lugnuts, their first year here in the A's organization? Well, I mean, it's just a beautiful ballpark. So I think that's the first thing uh, that really kind of set me kind of um, up for success here with all of our guys is this ballpark's really good. The playing surface is awesome. Um, you know, now that they got some fans back in the stands on, on the weekend nights, man, they, they do a good job putting a lot of people in the stands and there's a lot of energy. So it's nice to have an affiliate that has that type of atmosphere. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you about the ballpark there because I, I think it's the biggest one in, in what used to be called the Midwest League there. Um, I, I, I think it's about 11,000 capacity, which is, you know, bigger than some AAA parks. It's a pretty impressive-looking park there, isn't it? Yes, it is, man. We, 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 they've done a good job here bringing as many people as they can to the ballpark in these tough times. Um, and the 4th of July night was just outstanding. They had over 10,000 people in the stands. Fireworks were unbelievable. They had city fireworks. So, I mean, it was just, it was a really cool atmosphere uh, when they put, put all those people on the stands. Do you think it, it, you know, like it makes a difference for those minor league players there, you know, playing in a facility like that, that's at least, you know, comparable to kind of a top level facility as, a, as opposed to playing in, you know, maybe a, a smaller, uh, uh, less grandiose place like some of them, some of them maybe played in, in Beloit in the past? Yeah, so I've managed in Beloit and Clinton. Uh, so I've I've done my share of some some teams that you know weren't big stadiums or high attendance, um, and it, it does get a little dull at times. 
when you don't have fans there, it feels more like extended spring training sometimes. But when when you got big stands here and you got it's inset downtown, it feels like you're at a a, a bigger facility, a higher level, and those those fans definitely give you a good energy, and I think that helps with the uh, player development. Yeah, it's a little easier to get up for the game in that environment, right? <laughs> Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to ask you, before before we get into talking about some of the individual players on your team there, I also wanted to ask you about how, how you feel the talent level there is in the new uh, uh, high-A Central League. Of course, uh, you know, those, most of those teams were in the Midwest League last year, which was a low-A league then, now it's a high-A league, and with the whole minor league reorganization, a lot of things have changed. And I'm just curious to know, how do you feel that the current talent level at that level, at that high A level there is, how does it compare to the, the talent levels you've seen at the different different levels in the past? Well, I must say the, the year off last year with COVID uh, and then the contraction of the minor league teams, I think set this league as far as a high A league back a little bit. And I think it'll reset next year. Because uh, I think every team that we faced, there were there were multiple guys that had never played pro ball. Right. You know, they signed in 19, maybe didn't sign till late, injured, maybe only had a few at bats in rookie ball, and then they didn't play in 2020. So then they're coming to a high A league with very little experience. So there was a lot of inexperienced uh, errors that were happening during the game on the pitching, defense, and hitting sides of of the game. On, on every team that we face, and I think not only till the last couple of weeks have we seen that kind of filter out a little right. bit because they've got enough playing time in to, to take care of some of those mistakes. Yeah, no, it's interesting because even on your team, there were a lot of guys that had never played for a full season, you know, team before. And there they are yeah. in high A all of a sudden having to play every day at a at a higher level. And, uh, you know, it's difficult. That's what it seemed to me that, that that high A league you're in really played more like sort of somewhere between a high A and a low A league, really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think if you, if you had to put it, it would be the in-between level. And again, I think next year it'll it'll clear itself up. Uh, with some of these guys who get drafted and go to uh, uh, another league, whether it's Arizona or the, the, the low A league out in the California league. Um, so we're, we're hoping that it all cleans it up for next year. Yeah, and one final thing I did want to ask you about the ballpark is, is how do you feel your ballpark there in Lansing plays? Do you feel it's more of a hitter's park, more of a pitcher's park, or, or, or it p- plays fairly even? What's your experience of it like there? Uh, I think it's a little more hitter-friendly because the wind typically blows out. Uh, but when if the, blow, if the wind's not blowing or blowing in a little bit, it's really a pitcher's ballpark. Um, I mean, it has a, a dramatic effect on the games, um, depending on the wind. So um, the grass surface, playing surface, is really smooth and, and pretty quick. Um, so, but, and then uh, typically the wind blows out a little bit, so that if you get it up in the air, it does have a chance to carry a little bit. Well, at least it seems like it's not quite as extreme as some of those parks in the old uh, Pacific Coast League. So, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Those, that league and the Cal League had some definitely interesting ball parks, <laughs> Lancaster, High Desert, and 
some of those other ones out in the, in the, the PCL. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, some of the crazier ones in the uh, in the old Cal League are no longer uh, in operation. So that that's actually settled down a little bit there. But I think the old PCL's gotten even worse because it, it's the league's gotten smaller, and all that's left are the teams with the crazy ballparks. So you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, the big league balls are a little harder too, so the balls jump out a little a little bit quicker. Yeah, no, that could definitely happen. Well, let, let's talk about some of the guys you've you've got there on that Lansing Lugnuts team. This year that you know are kind of of, of stood out and are, are kind of, of of note to people. You know, one guy that's always been intriguing to me is uh, Jordan Diaz. Uh, he's a third baseman. I know they've had him playing a little first base over there this year as well. From the time he came into the A's system, I think he was about 17. He was playing in the Arizona League. Uh, he he's just hit well consistently. He's obviously got a lot of power. He's still a very young guy. I think he's maybe turning 21 in a, in a week or two or something. Um, can, yeah. can, can you tell me what you've seen out of Jordan Diaz? I think he's been leading your club in, in home runs and maybe doubles, extra base hits, and a, and a lot of offensive categories this year. Yeah, he's one of our, he's one of our most consistent hitters and, and the youngest position player we do have. And so for that to be the case, um, that bodes well for, for his career and us as an organization to have that type of talent, offensive production from that young of a player. Uh, yeah, he definitely leads our team in, in doubles, uh, home runs, RBIs. Um, the one thing that's impressed me the most is his ability to, to, to be productive with two strikes. He's definitely not shying away from a two-strike count. Um, and he, once he gets in there, he really battles and sticks his nose in there for a young player to do that is quite impressive, but this young man has, you know, he's got some international experience. He's played in winter ball. He was with the Columbia national team on the Olympic qualifier this year. So that international experience really helps him, uh, mature as a hitter. Now our job next portion of it is defensively. We got to get him a little bit better at third base, um, and then moving him around to add some value to him first and third uh, is definitely a benefit for us. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was I was going to ask you about him defensively. I know some people uh, may remember Renato Nunez, and I've, I've heard some comparisons there. And the A's, you know, we're always trying to find the ideal defensive position for him. But uh, fortunately, uh, Jordan Diaz is still pretty young. Like I said, he hasn't even quite turned 21 yet. So uh, hope, hopefully uh, he'll uh, he'll get his defensive situation figured out. Um, now, another interesting guy there you've had on the team this year is uh, Michael Goldberg, who was the A's third round pick in last year's draft. As we know, they only got to, they only had five rounds of the draft last year. And uh, Goldberg was the only hitter that the A's took in last year's draft. And I know he's had, he's missed some time due to injury, which can be kind of frustrating, but it seems like when he's been playing, he's been capable of doing a lot. He gets on base a lot, makes a lot of contact, you know, makes things happen in the field. But I'm curious to know what your impressions have been of Michael Goldberg. Michael is just a, a tremendous young man, um, you know, comes from a college background, Georgia Tech. Uh, again, like you said, an earlier pick. He does a lot of things well, and he can impact the game in multiple multiple ways, uh, whether it's a defensive diving play. Uh, he's got strong enough an arm to throw somebody out. Uh, he's, not a, he's fearless out there running into walls, which is sometimes <laughs> problematic, which you know, got him injured earlier in the year. And then um, – uh, at the plate, I mean, he he's just learning how to do some things, and he's one of those guys that, you know, didn't play at all until this year. So 
not having that experience and going all the way to high A right away. He's He really started to come around the last couple of weeks before he got injured again. Uh, he's got five home runs. Uh, I, I, and I think there's more in him. I think there's more, I think there's more power there because the bat speed is really nice uh, through the zone and, um, and he can run a little bit. Like you said, he can steal some bases too. So uh, he can, he's definitely a dynamic player. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the home runs because I think in college, he only hit like two home runs in his entire college career. And the, the one knock on him I was hearing is, well, he might not have much power. And, and I think he, I think he hit a couple home runs, maybe the first week of play there for you. And, and like I said, he's, yeah. he's, he's already got twice as many as he had his entire college career. So that's definitely encouraging to see. No, most definitely. And then, and the ball comes off his bat pretty nice. So, I mean, he's got good exit. Like, and people talk about exit velocity off the bat. Um, he does a pretty nice job with consistently having barreled balls. And those turn in as, at a young age, those are like singles and doubles. But as he gets older and mature, he gets a little more, I guess, man strength or whatever right. you want to call it, old man, you know, a professional strength. Those balls start to jump out a little bit more. And, and, uh, so we're hoping to see that kind of continue to, to go on the rise as uh, as he moves up the system. Yeah, well, I think the the first impression has looked pretty good anyway. Hopefully, he can get healthy yeah. and get back out there on the on the field soon. Um, now, you've got a couple a couple other high profile guys there on the squad as well uh, that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, starting with the A's, a former top pick Austin Beck, and uh, you know he's obviously a talented kid. He's had some struggles maybe with his approach at the plate plate discipline, maybe pitch recognition, um, you know, he, and, and this year is kind of interesting because he's he's there sort of repeating this uh, this high A level. He was at Stockton last year, which was high A then. And, you know, he's had some good spurts where he's looked really good. He even had a little brief time there up at Triple A where he was looking pretty good, too. But he's been kind of streaky, you know, and it looks like he's still, you know, trying to figure out his approach at the plate a bit and, and you know, how to maybe make enough contact or how to get on base enough. But I'd be curious to know from watching him every day where you think Austin Beck's at, what, what what do you think he's uh, he's dealing with now, and what are the what are the hurdles you think he needs to overcome to to get himself to the next level? Well, I think he's matured a lot. I think that you know, you know, we we didn't play for a year, but guys grow up a little bit, <laughs> so uh, they may not got that experience on the field. But he, I think he grew up a little bit during the winter or that year off, and um, he struggled a little bit out of the gate because he got hurt in spring training, and he was. About the third week into the season, he was starting to play where other guys were already got their feet on the ground. They were underway. Right. And so he was set back a little bit. And then once he started getting going again, that's when he got hurt for the second time. And that kind of really took the wind out of his sails. We, we sent him to, we sent him to uh, Vegas, Triple A, for a little while. It's kind of clear his head. He went up there and uh, he did a pretty good job. I mean, he had three home runs. Right. Um, those were his only hits, but uh, I guess his at-bats were pretty solid throughout, even though he struck out a little bit. But then when he came back, he really started you, – you could see a difference in him. He had right. this little bit of confidence at the plate. He wasn't feeling for contact. He was swinging aggressively. And I can see in his next two months now that we have to play, I can see him really um, 
finishing the year strong and moving on with his career to the next level. Yeah, well, let's hope so. It'd certainly be uh, good to see him uh, make those adjustments he needs to make and uh, get on track to being the uh, the top prospect that he was once heralded to be. Now, another guy yeah. there that's also, again, a very high-profile prospect who's now been in the A system a little while is Lazaro Armenteras. And, uh, again, he was at Stockton last year, which was high A there. He started out this season back at Stockton, which is now low A, and he was really tearing it up at Stockton. He looked like he'd, he, he'd gotten that level figured out pretty well. They moved him up there uh, to you at Lansing at the high A level. And, you know, he's had some good games. He's had some good performances. But I think on the whole, it'd be fair to say he's had some struggles. He's still, you know, got that strikeout problem of definitely far too many strikeouts. So what are you seeing out of out of Lazaro? And, and what do you think he needs to do to overcome uh, any, uh, any difficulties he's been having? Well, you know, he comes with some... Again, a high-profile guy, um, lots of tools. And sometimes it takes guys with tools a little while to figure some things out. Um, uh, with his, him starting back in high a, or low A down there in the in, with Stockton, he did really well. He was only down there for like 15, 20 games um, and hit over 400 down there. And then he came here and he just he got into a slump early and just kind of couldn't dig himself out quickly. So we're running him out there, giving him his, ch- his time, and he just uh, he just was feeling for it and didn't have the confidence. Um, but he's just been hurt a little bit lately. And um, uh, But right before he was hurt, he started to make a little bit of adjustments with his swing. Javier Godard, our hitting coach, and him are working really well together. Um, and he's making some adjustments in his swing, making some adjustments in his stance and his setup and his approach. And what I saw from that, I can see that leading into a lot of success uh, here soon when he gets back to playing again. Yeah, well, one last uh, hitter I wanted to ask you about who's no longer there with you at Lansing, but certainly was one of your most valuable players in, in the first half of the season before he got moved on to Midland, uh, and that was Max Schumann, a uh, shortstop infielder, kind of all-around, very versatile utility guy, who uh, I think he stole like 35 bases or something like that the first couple months there of the season there at Lansing, and then he went up and had a game at Midland where he recently stole five bases in one game, which I, I know as a manager or as anybody in the stands is a lot of fun to watch <laughs> but i'm just curious to know uh, what uh, what your impressions were of max Schumann while you had him there in lansing for a couple of months well max did a great job he was a guy who was uh um always a defensive guy but his offensive prowess is kind of starting to come out a little bit he ended on a little slump he was with us but we weren't too concerned about it. he was still hitting the ball pretty hard and just didn't find any luck um, and that's why he was a guy we ended up moving. But he's a guy who can play short every day, um, very steady, very consistent at, at that position. Um, he has the flexibility to move around and move to multiple positions, so it allows him to be a utility guy at the upper levels. Uh, and then the stolen base thing, man. He just We had these rules where you had to step off and pick at this uh, high A league. Oh, right, right. And he was the first one to really trust it. Like that he wouldn't, wasn't going to get picked off. So he just got on and ran and he got really good jumps and he started to really trust his jumps and his move. And he was stealing second and third as much as he could. So anytime we had a lead or we were close or early in the game, he was taking off. 
He's, I guess he's doing that again in Midland, which is awesome to see. <laughs> yeah, I think between Lansing and Midland, he's got over 40 stolen bases this year, and I think he's only been caught a couple of times. So he, he's obviously figured something out on the base paths anyway. But, you know, a guy like that's obviously a lot of fun to watch and is very, uh, you know, uh, very energizing for a team to have in the lineup, too. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> now, I, I, I want to ask you about a couple of pitchers before we go. I'd like to ask you about more pitchers, but unfortunately, so many of them are injured. That <laughs> yeah. There's only so many healthy ones I can ask you about. I know, you know, last year the A's had their second round pick was Jeff Criswell. Their fifth round pick was Stevie Emanuels. You had both those guys there on your squad. They're, they're injured. Also, left-hander Brady uh, Basso. The A's were very excited about him this year, and he's on the IL as well. So we haven't seen as much of the, some of those guys as we like, but but of the guys who have been there healthy and been on the mound, it seems like uh, Colin Palouse is one guy who's really kind of intriguing. He was the A's uh, ninth round pick just a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't think he'd pitched above Vermont uh, prior to this year, which was a, a short season team, and uh, seems like he's he's. You know, he's looked really good this year, and particularly lately, it seems like he's really kind of rounding in the form. So what have your impressions been of Colin Palouse? Well, Colin, you know, again, he was early in the season. He was feeling his way out. He didn't, you know, he was having okay games, but he'd give up like one inning that would really cost him like, right. kind of a, an outing that wouldn't look good. But lately, his last four or five outings, six outings have been very consistent where he's only giving up one or two earned runs an outing at the most and allowing us and he's pitching into the sixth or through the sixth inning and just allowing us the, the opportunities to win ball games. And I think his true stuff is coming out. And again, he's, he's one of those guys who missed the low a season and missed last year. So it took him a while to get through that, those hurdles. And now that he has, he's, he's moving along pretty well. And again, I expect him to maybe make the jump to double a, uh, sometime here soon or or be very successful when he goes there next year uh do you know about how hard he throws and what his most uh, effective pitches seem to be well he's he's a fastball slider change-up type guy uh his fastball averages 93 to 94 um but he you know that's about where he lives at but he, he can get up to 97 um but he pitches at 94 miles an hour typically on, on most nights Okay, good to know. Now, the other pitcher I wanted to ask you about uh, came up from Stockton uh, earlier in the year, and that's Jack Cushing. He was really dominant at Stockton, and uh, he's pitched really well for you there. You know, not a terribly high-profile guy. I think he, you know, was maybe like a 22nd round pick, something like that, a couple uh, years ago. But uh, he's been nothing but dominant at Stockton and, and looked pretty solid there at, at Lansing as well. So, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know a whole lot about him. I'm curious to, to know what, what you think of him. You know, he's that guy who's a sinker slider type guy and uh, really started to mess around with the changing grips on his changeup this year and, and kind of has fallen in love with it a little bit. And But he's that, he's that just old school throw it down the zone in the bottom of the zone, let it sink, let it slide a little bit, let it change up a little bit, you know, drop a little bit, a lot of action early in the count. Um, uh, he competes really well, makes really good big pitches when he needs to guys on base uh, late in an inning. And I think that's been his bread and butter is the, his competitive spirit out there. And again, he's six and oh, and, and he, since he's been here and he was, uh, he's, Again, seven different games, and he's won six of them, and that tells you a lot about the, the character he has 
as a competitor. Yeah, I mean, he definitely sort of emerged from the, the back of the pack and has definitely put himself on the map with the way he's performed this year. So yeah. even though we might not have heard a lot of his name before, we, we, it looks like we might be hearing more of it going forward, uh, which is which is always great. So, you know, you've got a little more than a than a month left in the season there and now in Lansing. What are what are your thoughts? What's your perspective sort of heading into the, the final lap here of the season with these guys and that team there in Lansing? What are, what are you looking for? What are you looking forward to? What are your thoughts uh, as the season starts to head into that final lap? Well, we talked to him about finish, you know, finishing, going hard through the finish line. Um, like you said, that final lap. Uh, that's a good way of putting it as well. Like just finish strong. We want them to develop their their plans and their their um, practice habits so that when they do have the winter off, they know what they're doing and they can come back even a step better. Uh, whether it's physically in the um, athletic training world or strength and conditioning and their lifting programs or on the field, uh, we need them to continue to develop this last month. So or get a good handle on where they're, what they need to do for next year. Uh, we want all these guys to come into spring training um, just raring to go and healthy and stronger than they, than they left this year. Yeah, certainly. No matter how your season's gone, it, it, it never hurts to finish strong, does it? <laughs> no, no, definitely. And that's, the guys have been playing hard, and I'm proud of the way they've been playing. Uh, they've been playing to win games, playing for each other, which is nice. They, they, they are competing at a good level. And again, for these, this group of guys, or a lot of them are new, again, I can't really have, I don't have any complaints about them. They're, they've done an awesome job this year. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today, Scott. We certainly wish you the best of luck there in Lansing the rest of the way. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.